News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkers podcast in the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Christina Greer here with Katie Honan. Hello, Katie Honan. Hi, Christine. So let's jump right into it. Mayor Adams returns today from a trip to Israel where he learned about technological advances and met with Israeli leaders. During his virtual briefings, the mayor mostly spoke about New York City's connection to Israel and what he and the NYPD officials who went with him learned by their travels. While he was gone, the city continued to contend with the influx of asylum seekers as well. The federal government gave a tentative okay to allow migrants to be housed at Brooklyn's Floyd Bennett Field. There's local opposition to this plan with a rally scheduled tonight by leaders in the Brooklyn Democratic Party. That's correct, the Brooklyn Democratic Party. This announcement came from Governor Hochul, who's been criticized by many, including some folks on this podcast last week, about her response to the migrants. She's holding a virtual address on the crisis later today, so we can now only speculate on what she'll say. And finally, Katie, you and the big team at The City last week published a lengthy investigation into some donors to the Adams 2021 campaign. So before we get into the rest of the news of the week, can you tell us a bit about that amazing story? I'd be happy to, Grizzy, and we missed you. And yes, we it is, it is a late August podcast, so we're just hitting the greatest hits. Um, yeah, I we myself and I mean mainly my colleagues actually worked on this story, looking into some clusters of donations to Adams' 2021 campaign. Um, they did a lot of door knocking reporting. Um, you know, my my colleague Heidi Chu speaks Chinese, so it was very helpful. We worked with. April Shu it documented to to really just kind of reach people. And a lot of the, you know, we spoke to a lot of people. I'm using the collective way. I wasn't out there, but who didn't remember giving, um, who explicitly said they didn't give, even though their names were listed as they gave. You know, the campaign explained at least two of these clusters. They were tied to separate parties. One was hosted by the owner of Jmart, which is there's three Jmarts in New York City, one in Flushing, one in Bensonhurst, and now one in Little Neck, Queens. Um, so it was a party at his house. And then the other one was a campaign sponsored party, uh, in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. So what I find interesting is the campaign finance board's rules and regulations. And obviously if you were going to run Eric Adams's campaign, you know what you're doing. So there were, for every question, there was an answer about what was going on and the root of it, even if it kind of left us with more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the explanation for the Queens based cluster was, yeah, this was a house party. And I'm thinking, you know, myself and my colleagues are like, so the owner of a supermarket invited all of his like co his like staff to his house. How did they get there? It's on Long Island. There are all these regulations too about you don't have to report it if it if you spent five hundred dollars if you own the house, and then also if everyone gave only up to a certain amount. Um, the Brooklyn cluster that was a campaign sponsored event. So yeah, there's all these rules that the campaign finance board sets up. And yeah, the Adams campaign knows what they're doing. And, I, you know, I'll be clear, as we repeated multiple times about the other, um, the Manhattan DA's investigation into those straw donors, mm-hmm. Eric Adams isn't in, implicated, his campaign isn't implicated in our reporting. No one ever told us, oh, yeah, Eric Adams told us to give this, you know. And I, I don't even know if that's the case. I think with this matching fund 8 to 1 program, I think it's great for democracy. And, and you know, the ideal situation would be someone who is not wealthy getting to engage their future constituents and them giving money that translates to more money so they can have a campaign and win. But mm-hmm. I also think there's maybe some room for exploitation of it, whether it's um, 
you know, I don't, I think sometimes some people may not even know that this is wrong. You're thinking, great, we want to, I want this candidate who I really like, I want them to know that I'm helping him or her out. So I'm going to round up all my friends. And if they can't give, maybe I'll help them out. I don't know. There's, when it comes to this money stuff, and I know this campaign finance board, board audits these things years later. So it takes a while for us to actually get into um, what really happened in right. campaigns. Now, is this, is this something that's, unique to the Adams campaign? Or if we looked at lots of donors from some of the people who didn't win, would we see something similar? Is this just kind of something that happens? We've looked, and I think the, the Adams, as a candidate, received the most number of, I think he maxed out. I think it was historic number of the diversity of donors. And, you know, I always want to be mindful of, if when we were looking, we were very, very careful to say, we're not just we were targeting people based on where they were working because we saw a lot of people on the same day from mm-hmm. the same location. Mm-hmm. Um, that they happen to be Chinese. Obviously, we were very, I was very sensitive to the fact of, I don't want to make it seem like we're just targeting people. These are first-time donors. Maybe they never felt politically engaged before, which is what we saw, right. you know, looking at the John Liu case from 2013. I was just about to ask that. Like, yeah. how is this similar or different from what we saw in 2013 with John Liu? Yeah, it, it's it's... John Lewis was bigger at this point, and I know that was also part of an FBI investigation. And a lot of it was like an FBI sting of people. Um, they were taking money, they didn't realize, but from FBI donor, you know, people undercover. So I think mm. that is a much more complicated uh, thing. But yeah, I mean, I think as reporters, I don't know how much this resonates to the the general public, but I also think it's worth writing about because I says I think it says something larger about um, the campaign finance board system. And mm-hmm. it's kind of world-renowned in New York City, but there's also obviously we should continue to monitor it and how things are being done and how things, you know, I know some people have been critical of the matching funds and you could, of course, there's a world where you could say someone got, you know, 500 votes for a council race. Why did they get right thousands and thousands of dollars, that kind of thing? Well, I mean, you know, I, I on the outside, I really love the matching fund system, right? Because it seems like, okay, so anyone could wake up and, you know, if you get enough signatures and you pound the pavement, you can get the city to help you finance a campaign. So it's not just rich people or people who are established with with donors already. But it does seem like our elections are so expensive. Turnout is so low. I do think we we need to have a conversation about campaign financing and matching funds. I do also, though, think this story, A, it's an important story, sure. Because I, I agree with you. I think it says a lot more about how we fund campaigns in the city. I do think, though, that it's not a story necessarily that has legs with voters, especially an Adams type of voter, in the sense that because Adams is so great at being like the hero and the victim of his own narrative, he can say, look at them picking on me. Like, they didn't look at anybody else. And even though the story is not about Eric Adams, it's about some donors to his campaign. I'm curious to see if this story kind of lingers on or if other outlets follow the city as they are wont to do um if adams uses this actually to his benefit yeah i mean he could obviously say he hasn't spoken he was in israel right our story came out last friday um and he left soon after well for sunday for israel so no one's been able to directly address him although we will say michael you have gone and happened to be in israel so he did uh go see the mayor in israel um just us in the New York Times, just two big name outlets yeah. following the mayor in Israel, <laughs> a one by happenstance. Um, yeah, I never, you never know what 
what's going to resonate. And I think any elected official, look, if I was Mayor Eric Adams or his team, I'd just say, you guys are attacking us. This is baseless. Mm -hmm. Look at all I've done. I mean, I will note that at least for the Flushing cluster, the mayor didn't even win Flushing, um, looking at the results. So, you know, I mean, he did, he did have support there, but I guess when it all came out, it was he was not the winner of that neighborhood. But yeah, as a reporter, I often grapple with, is what I'm writing important? Do I matter in the universe? <laughs> but yeah, does anyone care? Um, I care, Katie. And that's my really mom and dad always care. So that right. I always have them. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, there's plenty of stories where it's like, this does not resonate with the regular person. I mean, I was trying to explain it. I was hanging out with friends last Friday evening and they were like, so what's the story? You know, and they like, right. they work for the city, but they're, they're, they're like, so what is it? And I was but, like, I'm not even going to explain it. But I think it is important. Sometimes there's just an important story to have on the record, whether it goes somewhere or not. I mean, when we look back in the tenure of, you know, an elected official, we can say, oh, because if certain things happen down the road, we can say, oh, well, in 2023, there was this question or there was this circumstance that we we at least flagged. Whether we follow up on it is a different story. Now, you said something about um, the mayor and his his sort of staff. Um, I wanted to pivot just a bit because I read that the mayor, um, because he is out of town, out of the country, uh, the chain of command is that the public advocate is in charge of the city when the mayor leaves town. But I saw that Mayor Adams signed an executive order to make Deputy Mayor Sheena Wright in charge while he is out of town. And so I don't think that's normal practice. Am I correct or no? Yeah, I I, I hadn't seen it before. I know when de Blasio was running for president, president of the United States, <laughs> went to Dean Foulihan, I believe, you know, I think there's all these lines of succession. I thought it was very fascinating that he did sign that executive order. Um, I actually think Jumani Williams was maybe out of town too. Okay. I know a friend said, you know, a friend spotted him on Martha's Vineyard, um, at least last week and maybe early this week. If you weren't there, oh, come Martha's come Vineyard in August is the seventh layer of hell. I you don't, don't know really? why people go in August. It's like blackademia is there. It's yeah, too come much. On, my friends, yeah. You've got to dress up. All the politicians are there. You can't get a reservation anywhere. It's just like, as someone who's been going to the Vineyard for 40 plus years when it was like a quiet you know, like you could just walk the streets and people are like, whose kids are you? And you're like, we're the Greers from Philadelphia. And you just get in the car with a random person and they drop you off. Yeah. Now it's just like traffic and see and be seen. Like, I really, I hate the vineyard in August. It's like the ferry's a mess. The flights are ridiculous. Anyway, that's my... So that's you didn't get invited to the Obama party? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't get invited to the Obama party. Um, One of my good friends goes, so I'm always like, you got to tell me all that. I'm like, I don't care about the Obamas. I go, who are the local New York City politicians who are there? Oh, it's a gaggle. I mean, and there are lots of fundraisers too, you know? Um, it's it's a time for people to, I mean, especially for Black people. Yeah. It's a lot of sort of like East Coast Black people and now, like, Californians are coming because there's a film festival. It's just too much. It's too much. There was report. There were reports that uh, school's chancellor, David Banks, and Sheena Wright were going to get married last weekend. I don't think that happened. And then there was also reports that Eric Adams was going to have a fundraiser, but it was canceled, reportedly. So I think perhaps he was trying to tap into some of the wealth that is there that weekend. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of wealth. It's a lot of connections. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've done panels there and it's just, it's, you know, it's hard to be anonymous. Yeah. Um, I guess you don't go there to be anonymous. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the point. And when I go on vacation, it's like, I don't want to, you know, put on lipstick. Like, be wild, a little crazy. I mean, you know, if I'm getting a bagel in the morning, I don't want to sit there and like bump into someone that I've like, you know, been at a conference with or like on TV with. It's like, ugh. Or like, you know, you can't have a conversation in a restaurant because you don't know who's sitting next to you. Yeah. You know, so someone could be there eavesdropping and then telling Katie Honan. Right. Um, Listen, Katie Honan stays on it. So, okay. I just thought the the concept of executive order was mm. a little um, specific just because, you know, for some of our listeners, they may remember when we had the huge blizzard when Bloomberg was first elected and we didn't even know this cat was out of town yeah. because he took his private plane to Bermuda. And so it started all these larger questions of who's in charge when the mayor isn't here. Does the mayor have an obligation to tell us when he leaves town? You know, how much of the mayor's sort of schedule should we know as New Yorkers? But I thought the executive order was a touch odd. That's why I, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. And, and what I actually found interesting, and this was in Playbook, uh, Jeff Colton wrote this in Playbook, the Committee on Mayoral Inability, which I had never heard of, which is if the mayor is in a coma mm, or goes temporarily yes. insane, could you blame him? Um, where it's the Corporation Council, Comptroller, City Council Speaker, a designated deputy mayor, and the longest serving borough president at that time could meet and declare the mayor, quote, unable to discharge the powers and duties of the office. I'd never heard of that. And um, Jeff Colton spoke to the longest ser- current longest-serving borough president, Donna Richards of Queens. Right. And as Donovan said, He's like, tell, call Eric, me. <laughs> tell Eric Adams to call me, Richard joked with a slightly maniacal laugh. That was interesting. Um, I think, yeah, like, how does, uh, does a doctor have to declare you temporarily insane? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know how these things work. I mean, this is, I think a lot of us are learning this in the moment because we haven't really had a situation like that. I mean, thus far, I may, I may disagree with a lot of mayors, but, you know, they they weren't necessarily incapacitated per se. Um, I mean, we can talk about Rudy Giuliani then and now. Currently but, incapacitated. Um, is he? No, so, I mean, I, I think that these are interesting questions because... I would love to get more New Yorkers kind of talking about that. You know, I mean, most New Yorkers don't know who their borough president is. I mean, let alone the longest serving one. And so this idea of civics and like how government works, I just wish more people were interested in like the nuance of it. But I will say there's a lot of like, you don't know what you don't know. Like I had no idea that there was even a committee that, Decided yeah. these things. I mean, there was a lot of conversation, obviously, about the 25th Amendment when Donald Trump was president. Um, but I, I'm assuming cities have something similar to that, where there have to be levers in place just in case someone goes absolutely mad. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, I guess we can pivot now to Governor Hochul. I know the guests we had on last week were very critical of her. You know, the asylum seekers coming to the city, um, the mayor back in May had floated the possibility of Floyd Bennett Field, which I will say, um, there's been a lot of criticism. People saying, oh, it's in the middle of nowhere, which isn't, I mean, as someone from Rockaway, I, I'm like, no, it's not the furthest you can go because there's another place further. <laughs> um, but it's a large, it's a, it's a large piece of land, right? And mm-hmm. I think when you're looking for a lot of land in New York City, it, it's hard to find it. So, of course, you're going to be on the outskirts of the center of the city. I will not say middle of nowhere because that term bothers me. Mm-hmm. But 
again, you were in a place that I don't know what the facilities are like. They'd have to bring a lot of stuff in. Of course, there's local opposition. Yeah, it was Frank Sedio promoting this rally in the former Toys R Us parking lot on Flappish Avenue. But the Toys R Us closed whenever it closed, and it's sort of been abandoned ever since. Um, people in Rockaway, obviously, are up in arms about it. Um, I think, obviously, there's people who are opposed to it because it's not the best location for people. And you're thinking you're you're, you're bringing what could be 2,000 people to tents where there's one bus in and out the Q35. There's not a local store nearby. There's not really much for people to do. So the idea, I guess, is that they're just going to get all the facilities and everything that they need there or be bussed in and out. Um, but I, I thought Kathy Hochul's timing, um, you know, I guess if this was the week that they have um, that that this was when the federal government and I'll also say that the nothing has been totally approved yet. Um, but this tentative agreement came um, while the mayor happened to be in Israel. Was it coincidental or was it whatever? I'm not implying. Well, right. I guess I am implying right now. Who knows why it came this week? There right. were still conversations ongoing this week. It's not a done deal. We're not sure what Kathy Hochul will say. We, we still are not able to look into the future. We're filming this around 930 on Thursday. Um, but yeah, well, I think she, if we're being generous, we can say that Kathy Hochul is saying, well, it's urgent, so we can't wait another week until the mayor returns, yeah, so no, let course. me just get this done. I think if we're being realistic, we can say there have been cracks in the foundation between those two brewing for quite some time. Luckily, we're not yet, and I hope we never get to the stage of like de Blasio Cuomo level petty arguing peeing contest in yeah. the media. Um I actually think that both Adams and Hochul are a little savvier than than that. Um, I do think that Adams calling out Biden and Hochul obviously having some sort of relationship with the Biden administration and how they're just different levels of funding. And like, listen, we got the money as America, like whether we choose to to spend it on right domestic issues versus foreign issues is a whole different podcast. But like, we have the money. There's no such thing as scarce resources because we keep finding $30 billion under the couch cushion for a whole bunch of wars, plural. So we do know the weather's changing. We know that Eric Adams feels the the crunch because his reelection efforts are rest on whether or not people feel this crisis is handled. And I think yeah. the shadow that overhangs his administration is, you know, is he just playing mayor? Does he know how to be mayor? Does he know how to hire people to handle hard problems? We're getting a steady stream. I mean, it's like the faucet is on. And like, yes, we're a nation of immigrants. Sure. New York's always been a destination. Got it. But this is a different stream. We need to have conversations about schooling. And yeah. we know how these progressive New Yorkers get when it it's time for school integration. And he gets all of that. That's why he's not trying to force Upper West Siders and, you know, the five neighborhoods in Brooklyn to, like, integrate their schools. But there could be conversations about where we house people, where we put kids in school, what jobs look like, you know, perception of scarce resources when it comes to competition. Obviously, housing, 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 which I think is an Achilles heel for the entire administration. I think for a lot of mayors, but for this administration in particular. So I think he's cognizant that if he doesn't sort of get at least the perception that he's handling this, then 2025, I think 2025 right now looks good for him, but like, yeah. it just makes it a little more difficult. It makes, it makes his win a harder win than the win. Wow. 
a win. A hard, yeah, I, I just still don't know who could run against him. I don't even know who, you know, his former opponent, Curtis Lewa, has been getting arrested outside all of these yes. um, and facilities. I don't know how much that resonates really beyond. You know, I think wh- whoever voted for Curtis in 2021, I don't know how many more people, or maybe he will gain more votes. I don't know. But again, I don't know if he's, um, I don't know how viable yeah. of a candidate he is, but whether there's even a much more moderate Democrat. And I don't know right now who on the very far left or even not at, maybe... Not very far left, but further left than Mayor Adams. I don't right. know who could, you know, we've had this conversation. Right. And well, it's up to those folks to coalesce, right? Because I mean, I love the narrative of when people are like, you know, don't forget, we still have ranked choice voting. So it's like if if Maya and and Catherine, you know, if you add up their votes, they would have beaten Adams. I was like, right. But neither one of them dropped out. So right. this isn't horseshoes or hand grenades. Like, guess what? Neither one of them dropped out. So Adams is mayor. So I don't, I think if one progressive jumps in, they all jump in. Mm-hmm, I think that yeah. if someone to the left of Eric Adams jumps in, I, it's, you know, one of the hardest jobs in the country, sure. But I think the type of person that runs for political office anyway is a certain type of person. I'm not that, that type of person. Um, but trying to understand that mindset, I do think that it's going to be either kind of no one or a gaggle. Like, you remember when Sal Albanese ran against de Blasio and I didn't consider him like a legit competitor. Um, and I was so curious as to like why no one of substance, you know, ran against him. And yeah, you know, the incumbency advantage is real. De Blasio had universal pre-K, but I was like, he also had some like federal questions surrounding him. So you would think that people would at least say like, hey, let's make it a real competitive election. And I know Sal Albanese has been an elected official, but I just didn't think that he was um, a strong challenger to a sitting mayor. Like I thought, you know, fortune favors the bold. This is the time for Ruben Diaz Jr. to jump in this before he just randomly leaves politics. But like someone like that, who's already like on a high and like could maybe change the conversation. I don't see anyone in 2025 sort of doing it. I don't think it would be wise of Jumani to do it. I don't see any city council members who I think could do it. I don't really think of anyone in Albany who could do it. I might be missing someone. Hey, listeners, write in. <laughs> Send us a tweet if you think. Maybe this is why the general public doesn't get civically involved because there's so much like mathematics of who, if they, this, that, you know? I mean, I think, yeah, there's so many I think there's a lot of there's a lot of quantity, but I don't know how many people can do the job. Yeah. And I don't know if we know who can do the job until they get the job, too. So, I mean, that's, you know. Yeah, it's a lot of, uh, and we're getting towards the end of, you know, the sort of, at least this this time of the year, everyone's, I guess everyone's focused on the presidential um, oh, yeah. I didn't watch the Republican debate, um, so I'm not going to talk about it, but there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And then once that's over, at that point, it's already heating up. You know, I'm mean, at that point, right. we already know what's going on. Well, and depending on what happens in 2024, that could suck all the energy out of 2025, at least the first half of 2025. Exactly. And we have a, a primary in June of 2025. So until then, dear listeners, pay attention to local politics. And if you don't know who your city council member is, find that out. And your state legislator, this is a pop quiz before school starts. So do you know your state legislator, your state senator, your city council member, your borough president? Who else? Who else should they know? Mayor? Public advocate? 
control. I mean, I think the other community. If they listen to this podcast, changed. they damn sure better know who the mayor and public advocate are. <laughs> they were changing, you know, they redistricted, they remapped it. I yeah. think for some people it's confusing, but yeah. I mean, tell a friend to tell a friend. Right. You may know, but make sure everyone in your orbit knows. Um, and we still have elections in November, so be prepared to make a voting plan because election day is November 7th, which is the first Tuesday of the month. All right, Katie Honey. Chrissy, that on that, I hope everyone has a great weekend and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. F-A-Q. This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of The City, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Go to thecity.nyc slash give if you'd like to pitch in. We're a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists. Find it all at Popula.com. Our hosts this episode were me, Christina Greer, and Katie Honan. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. Thank you, listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind, be cool, and we'll be back soon with more.